and welcome to Blog Talk Radio Show, Pay Me What I'm Worth. You're listening to Soul Dancer, the host for the next 60 minutes. We've got an exciting, exciting show tonight. I have an absolute amazing expert on the line with us tonight. Her name is Catherine Van Wetter. And she is degreed and taught in many different traditions and certified in many traditions. I invited Catherine on the line tonight after listening to a number of her shows. She is absolutely part and parcel. We're singing a very similar song. And I thought, let's see what harmony we can make by working together. So with that, I am delighted to introduce Catherine on the line. Catherine, what other things would you like to share before we dive right in? Well, thank you so much, Sol, for being on, and um, I've listened to your shows as well, so it's it's wonderful that we can be on each other's side and share um, in so many areas. I've had the opportunity, as you're speaking, of gratitude and grace to be part of a, a book called Overcomers. Part of the, the show I've been doing is interviewing these people from all over the world, 35 other authors, of which I'm very proud to be part of as well, who talk about their inspirations, who talk about their hope, and talk about it in a way that they can gracefully step into a new way of being, which is what we're all being called to do right now. And it comes in all different forms, doesn't it? Mm, it sure does. And for those listening in, again, welcome to the show. We we have both watched a movie out by Michael Moore. We will try not to do too many plot spoilers of the movie Capitalism, but it is so part and parcel of what we're going to be talking about tonight that we thought it would be rather timely to mix that in, gratitude yes. and grace. All right, let's dive in. I'm curious, Catherine, if you were, say, taking in a foreign exchange student who is just barely beginning to have an understanding of, of the English language, and they come across this word, gratitude, they, they don't understand. What, what does this word mean? What would you offer them? Boy, that's a great question, and um, thank you for that. I think, to me, gratitude is is that swelling of the heart, almost that that we feel when that I feel um, if I see the sunset in the colors in the magnificence of it, or if somebody has a generous deed that they do towards me, <clears throat> um, that gratitude of of having it so much in a heart-centered place that it radiates out into every part. It's almost like being alive with, with the feelings of love and compassion. Mm, so it's a state of being. Right. Mm-hmm. How about you? Gratitude for me is like icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. True, genuine gratitude for me is icing on the cake. Completely unexpected, a complete surprise, something someone does that I had no idea that they were going to do. And that, and of course, something beneficial for me. Mm-hmm. And by by saying that, I mean, tonight we're going to introduce a little bit of a uh, a nuance that I would like people to contemplate that anything outside uh, it, for me gratitude is completely unanticipated it is not coerced or manipulated or expected in any way shape or form because if it is expected then I don't think it's necessarily a show of gratitude it's a show of thanks which is different for me so we're going to talk about a little bit of difference tonight too about how often 
we might think we are dancing with gratitude, but in all reality, we're being extraordinarily manipulative and or controlling. And by defining that and taking it out of the system, taking that controlling or manipulation out of the system, we really do get to sample genuine gratitude. There's another term here, too, that I very much adore that Catherine's working with, and that is the art of grace. Stepping into your field of grace. I love that. Catherine, tell me more about that. Well, when I speak of grace in ways, it's it's also being in the arena of gratitude. Um, and stepping into the field of grace is almost like stepping into the mystery that unfolds beautifully to... Mm-hmm. Dancing comes to mind of of how we delicately place ourselves on this earth through motions of gratitude and appreciation and grace, doing it in a way that is not encumbering, doing it in a way that almost flows um, into the essence of what is around us rather than resisting it in some way. Ah, joining in. Right. Joining in. Okay key part. Now, that can be awfully scary, especially if you're used to your, you use kind of the terminology, your weapon of choice. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that could be sarcasm or that could be ridicule or, um, and when I say putting down your weapon of choice is ways that we may um, intentionally or unintentionally cause harm to someone or to ourselves it through a sharp tongue or or an action that is less than kind, less than graceful, so to speak, and um, mm-hmm. to be aware of it and nothing to be ashamed of, rather to notice and to perhaps um, transform it into something else other than a weapon, of course. Well put. Well put. As I was preparing for tonight's show, I had to kind of chuckle because as I was reading the title for tonight's show, Gratitude and Grace, Gratitude and grace. I couldn't but smile thinking of the old that old saying, chicken or the egg? Which comes first? Okay. <laughs> yes. Gratitude is is one of the natural byproducts or ripples of gratitude, a, a deepening of our ability to embrace gracefulness? Mm-hmm. Or is it the other way around? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I, to me, to... I feel that it's um, simultaneous, that it's almost the interlocking of both of them, Um, almost like you can't do one without the other. Does grace follow gratitude or does does, um, gratitude follow grace? You know, it's similar. I wonder how Rumi would refer to it or if Rumi would use it simultaneously um, with, with both of them playing together almost in unison with each other. Kind of like an alchemy, some yeah. type of an alchemic experience. Yeah. One needs the other to blossom and grow. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Nice partnership. Mm-hmm. Over the years, as being a practitioner, helping people begin to live a, begin to not only live but feel on a regular basis that deep inner peace. How have you seen gratitude work, what would be considered by some miracles? Do you have any stories you'd like to share around that? Um, the stories, often the, the kind of work I do often goes in 
the right side of the brain. I often work with the unconscious and the right side of the brain, which is often referred mm-hmm. to as spirit, and and using metaphors. And the the resounding um, issue that I hear with so many folks, regardless of what issues they're dealing with, is how much suffering they've been in for years and years and years, and they're exhausted and they're tired and they beat themselves up. And with the work that that I'm able to be witness to, I refer to myself as a facilitator rather than a counselor or a coach. The work that I facilitate someone to to go through, which is the work that they do themselves from the inside out, there's that tremendous gratitude that I notice in their body language, in how they look after they have released a burden that they've carried for so long, and after they've realized that that most everything that they've taken on into their life as being a habit or being a character defect or whatever has a positive intention, and although the outcome isn't always positive. And when they can look at themselves with the magnificence that their psyche has or that their body has with being able to come up with a, with a habit or whatever that helped them survive otherwise treacherous situations and families, um, the gratitude they had for the resiliency of themselves and the grace that they stepped into doing the work um, to the warrior that they stood up as being is beautiful. And um, I didn't really give an example other than the, the knowingness that people, it's as if they step into um, the knowingness that everything has been perfect in their life when they put down their sword <laughs> or their mm-hmm. weapon towards themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well put. And, and one of the things that you're talking about that I find um, might be worth unfolding a little bit is that concept of how people, when they are living in pain, any type of pain, when they are experiencing suffering, how sometimes that pain or suffering begins to wash into a form of manipulation, Mm. meaning someone who's in pain, constantly talking about their pain and looking for sympathy, looking for apathy, looking for empathy, that sort of thing. Um, When people do respond and they they try and help the, the person in whatever form or function that they're able to do so, I've often found that it's a, it's, it takes a level of awareness to switch out of retelling the story to get the same result, to get more help, right. to leaving behind that manipulation tactic, mm-hmm. to falling into gratitude where it seems like the person has that uh, the fuel inside them. It's like the wood for their fire inside to burn, to start doing something about that pain from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? It, you know, I I have a master's in social work, and uh-huh. I got I got trained in that after I was trained in other different types of techniques that work with body memory and and um, NLP, neuro linguistic programming, that work with the different parts of ourselves. And what what I found is that many times in in our society, when people go to get traditional therapy, many times they tell their story over and over and over again. And the more we tell our story, the better we get at it. And in some ways, 
people become victim to their story in that they're not able to step away from it because that's who they identify themselves as being. And Eckhart Tolle, with his wonderful works of the power of now, you know, talks about the pain body, which is our story, which our story can either expand us or it can contract us depending on how it is that we use it. And when people put down the story of who they think they are and step into the magnificence of who they are, then there's this expansiveness of them, and they are able, as Carolyn May says, be stronger than their past in that they can use their story perhaps as a way to help other people who may have had similar stories in their own in their own life to remove the emotion from it so that they can tell it not in a way of being dramatic or manipulative and getting attention, rather in a way that perhaps helps and assists people. And it is a little disconcerting when one does put down their story because all of a sudden there's this there could be this emptiness if they've taken out and they've been able to look at that part that they've used as almost something to be behind as a shield or whatever. Um, it's it's that expansiveness of who am I if I don't have my story? Who am I if I am, if I'm not a victim? Who am I if I'm not a survivor of this and this and this? And so together, we can work with finding a way to bring in something else into their life to realize that they are magnificent and. Um, the war is over, and many times we forget that sometimes the war is over that we've survived through. So it's a fascinating process. Mm, very much so, and I find it intriguing how some of the most difficult work begins in that gap when the person does begin to step into their authentic self and they leave that history behind. But their family, their partners, their coworkers, their friends, all the people who've been hearing that story for years, who often probably wished they would put that story behind, when that moment actually happens, there's an adjustment for them, too. Yeah. There, I, have you found that there's a bit of a jet lag when that happens? There is, because a person, and one thing, if I invite listeners, you know, if, if something's going on with you or with a friend to tell friends and loved ones maybe two or three times what's happening and then go go seek good counsel um, because it does put a burden on people when people hear what's going on with us and it's as if we step into this vortex of who they think we are and when there's recovery there when there's emotion recovery even though people around us may want us to heal and recover all of a sudden we step into a new paradigm of being or a new way of being and it can be challenging for those around us, because who are you if you're not who you said you were? Who are you, and who, where is my position going to be with you? <laughs> Am I still going to be in your life as you shift out of this transition of, of being who you said you were for so many years? So it's it's fascinating. It's the same thing happens with folks who are addicted. You know, the family and friends want the addict to get better, and then the addict gets better, and all of a sudden it's, it's as if they get tripped up by, oh, well, you know, they it gets darkest before the dawn. They try to trip them up, and so maybe mm -hmm. they'll slip into relapse again, emotional or physical or otherwise. So it's it's interesting how that can happen. And that expectation to fall, mm -hmm. I find also something that I have to prepare clients for, is I find it intriguing how, for example, 
if someone suffers a, a serious health issue and they finally work through that, uh, there's almost there's for an X amount of time afterwards, there's this holding of the breath. It's like, oh, is that going to? Are they going to have another stroke? Are they going to have another heart? Are they going to change their diet? Are they? Gonna, and then if something happens again, they're like, oh, I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. Conversely, I've often found it fascinating how, oh, thank God it's done. Yay, it's done. All right, we can move on. And there is an absolute release of the the chaos or the drama that had ensued for whatever length of time. There's There's no expectation that that chaos or drama is going to happen again. That, to me, is rare. I haven't seen that often. People get wrapped up in that what-if-this-happens-again syndrome. Right. And then they almost like bring it back in. <laughs> right, right, into the field. And often, you know, we the some of the work I do works with um, what we what we refer to as the collective conscience with with friends. You know, the friends who we radiate towards, we have similar collective conscience. You know, with beliefs and and ideals and things. And family is the same way. And certain people get trained to be a certain way within relationships. And while, again, we want somebody to get healthy, there may be the one in there who kind of keeps one eye open to make sure that the other person doesn't slip up. And um, it's really amazing how deeply ingrained patterns are, um, Mm -hmm. so deeply ingrained in the unconscious and how sometimes it takes a lot of energy to maintain a shift, especially when energetically it feels like people are watching us or waiting for us to trip or thinking that we're not able to change. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it can be emotionally exhausting where finally the person says, I'm so tired, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do exactly what it is that you want me to do, even though it won't feel as good as it did in the past. So it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a change is fascinating. How do you find yourself authentically stepping into gratitude? What is for yourself? How what do you do on a regular basis that helps you keep those gratitude coals bright? Well, you know, it's it's interesting as you were speaking earlier of of the how sometimes gratitude can be manipulation. You know, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I know for myself, I I really I do gratitude a lot to myself. Or I, when I come in contact with people, I often will give them a gift of gratitude, be it a smile or a silent prayer, or you know how much I appreciate what they've done for me. And um, diversely, also having gratitude for areas that aren't comfortable for me. And I've been challenged, especially now with so much shift and change happening, of finding myself begrudgingly being grateful for um, some areas in my life right now that are challenging. And I catch myself instead of whining about it to catch myself with gratitude that I'm happy that I'm going through this even though I don't believe it at the time um, to be grateful that I'm noticing that and um, so I, I throughout the day try to find uh, remind myself to be grateful um, in ways that are genuine and in ways that aren't manipulative especially towards others I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, very much so, and thank you. One of the things that you help illustrate in your response is how gratitude really has to come 
from the inside out. Yeah. And in a Western culture where we are so bombarded externally that you all of these messages in so many different ways that here's how you're supposed to react from an external source. Mm-hmm. Your illustration really helped provide the the core notion that gratitude really is from the inside out. And isn't it fascinating how many folks who, and as a culture, uh, I feel that as a culture we're being forced to grow up, you know, instead of looking outside ourselves for buying more things and getting that that elusive happiness that's in that future self if we buy something. Instead, people are, are being spun around to really look inside themselves to see how grateful how grateful to have a breath. I mean, sometimes things can be so tough, especially with what so many people are faced with right now. Gratitude can be a tough thing to find. And what about we started just with our breath Um, or Mm. with the number of eyelashes that we have on our eye or the number of pores or how our cells are working in such magnificent orchestration and unison within themselves. it's pretty remarkable that we're even able to get out of bed in the morning um, without the grace of gratitude helping us. Oh, completely, completely, which beautiful segue into the movie that you and I have collectively just freshly witnessed, the the, the movie Capitalism by Mr. Moore. Yeah. How would you, how do you want to dip your toe into this pool about this movie? Well, the movie was, I've always loved his work, and it's it's fascinating when I hear, you know, both sides of the of the fence with people saying I don't I don't watch his work because it's all lies, and other people who watch it, and then it brings me up to what is truth and what is illusion, right? That watching mm-hmm. this on such a personal level, it was I was touched by by how his integrity with how he goes out and and seeks the truth in the way that's important for him. He's followed his passion for years and years, and um, I was deeply um, affected and somewhat, um, I was elevated when I was watching it and then found myself being in a bit of a solemn mood when I left and still shaking that off um, and being very grateful for what I do have after witnessing what so many people have been what's been taken away from so many people um that it was hard it's it, there were certain points that were difficult to watch because of the amount of suffering that people are enduring here in the United States mhm mhm yeah I, similar feelings one of the things that i picked up from that movie is how raw life has become how raw how raw r-a-w how raw how for lack of better words primal even with folks who seem to have vast abundance in all areas there's this primal predatory protect guard energy that Mm -hmm. they're abundantly aware that in a moment, all of it could be instantly gone. Yes. And then they would have to, those who are currently enjoying abundance of finances or or material goods or whatever the case may be, that they will have to 
firsthand experience what they're causing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this this rawness leaves very little room for grace. Yes. Although it, it could also leave a lot of room for grace because perhaps the vulnerability that the rawness brings um, when someone is humbled so much to their knees, um, that with that surrendering and consenting to what is brings an element of grace to it when one stops the struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I witnessed that to some degree in parts of the movie where those who were illustrated as being oppressed were yes. fighting back mm-hmm. and those that they were fighting against, you could see in their body language, it's like, what do I do here? Yes. What yes. do I do here? Well, it, and so it is, excuse me. Go ahead. It is interesting that it's the primal, as you were mentioning, it's the primal needs. It's the physiologically people have spun around so that their food, housing, um, shelter have been threatened right now. And those are, of course, Maslow's, you know, of basic needs of an individual. And to see people who lost their homes after being there for 30, 40 years or, you know, farms that were taken away, that excruciating sense of losing a huge part of oneself um, beyond the Cadillac that may have been taken. It's the place where they where they were born into, perhaps, and that was within their generations, you know, family. And to have that taken away seemingly with a heart that didn't seem to care was is difficult to watch and like you said it could happen within an instant that could be taken away from somebody because of circumstances and to a blessing in my time I have actually been witness firsthand witness to seeing people of significant financial wealth lose it mm-hmm. for whatever reason and I have witnessed how their social circle has also almost instantly vanished. Mm-hmm. And on one rare occasion, I watched a person go inside so deeply, and this is through professional help, that they actually were grateful for it all because it taught them such tremendous lessons. Mm-hmm. It gave them such a will to allow the abundance to return in a way that they could share it, and now they have more than they could have wildly imagined, mm-hmm. and it's by far much more stable than what they had to begin with. Right, yeah. In it's the movie, I, I'm glad to see... Go ahead. You're glad to see in the movie what? That they featured a couple of different scenarios where mm-hmm. companies, actual mm-hmm. companies engaged a true uh, uh, democratic process, and they are doing better than ever. Right, yeah. It's really, it truly is, is that humility, you know, and, and the ego is, the ego it has what's called a face, it's fear and acceptance, 
control and entitlement. And when one is used to being so robust, perhaps, with finance, with money, and having that taken away from them for whatever reasons, the humbling effects that it can have and how the ego face often will show up with its fear and its acceptance and control and entitlement. And to be in that place of, again, surrendering into grace, it is amazing how the abundance, once one, again, lets go, it can come into their life as long as they can step away from being the victim of what happened and pointing their finger at somebody else for causing the harm rather than taking responsibility. Now you're getting into some meaty stuff, taking responsibility. What a concept. Speak more to that. What do you mean by taking responsibility? Well, it's it takes um, it takes courage in many ways to to be responsible, and I think also grace and gratitude comes into that to to take responsibility mm-hmm. for what one's place or one's part has been in any situation, realizing that it takes two people to engage in in a dialogue or in a contract with each other, and if something happens to our lives. What is our part in it? You know, not always being the victim, yet I know that there are victims and I'm not meaning to say that there aren't. Yet also taking, once we recognize that, what is our part in it? How can we become accountable? That is, how can we go to the place of being more proactive rather than reactive in what what happens? And that response, having a different response to the to our abilities and being graceful about it. Proactive versus reactive. Powerful yeah. words. And when yeah. you say them, what comes to me to my mind is Mother Teresa. Mhm. Yes. One of her famous uh sayings is if you're if you're hungry, go out and feed someone. Right. If you're cold, go out and give someone your coat. Mhm. To proactively go out there and address what it is that you're faced with. Deal with it. Own up to it. Do something about it. Don't wait for someone else to come along and and pray that they do. Yes. And one of the interesting things that I've witnessed over the years is people truly dance with genuine gratitude is that it, it's, it, it, life becomes magical, mm-hmm. truly magical. People, places, resources, things that I didn't know I needed just appeared seconds before that I needed them. Mm-hmm. I had no idea I was going to have to have this person or this resource or whatever the case may be, and bingo, here they come. And I realized with, as I, I really do my best to practice and polish the ability to live in gratitude, mm-hmm. that the, the, the reward is magic. It is. It is, because everything is really, we talk about miracles, yet, you know, everything that goes on in our in our life, if, we, if we're open to gratitude, it's everywhere. You know, I'm grateful that, that you contacted me after listening to a show. What a great gift that was, you know, the gratitude that you reached forward and, and we made a connection with each other, you know, and it's it happens so much, yet sometimes it doesn't it may not look like it because it doesn't appear in the way that we would like it to appear. <laughs> um, <laughs> yet we always get what we need, don't we? Um 
we may not always get what we want, but we get what we need all the time. What was Oscar Wilde's quote? Something like, the gods have two way of two ways of punishing us, mm-hmm. giving us what we want and not giving us what we want. <laughs> and take it more often than not. Way, I think right? it's the first. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when people aren't used to being accountable, or if people aren't used to being grateful for what they have, um, it's quite a learning curve to step into that. You know, it's it's fascinating when people's words, when their tongues begin to match, the tongues in their shoes and the tongues in their mouth, their actions match each other. Because somebody can say something that they're meaning to be grateful for, yet it doesn't show up in their body language as that. And that perhaps is the part that you were speaking of earlier of manipulation. Yes. And that, thank you for the reminder there, Catherine. That is, I have a hunch. One of the primary factors that contributes to people being reluctant to receiving. Mm-hmm. We know there's an internal gut sense yeah. that we're being manipulated. Even though someone might be very masterful, they may be able to have some pretty smooth words and have their body language and movements down under control, there's still there's still the gut that says, you know, there seems like to be a hidden agenda here. If I accept this kind gift from this person, boy, it seems like there's a string around my neck. Right. And that's the type of manipulation that I address mm-hmm. with Chapter 10, and that is, no expectations, no strings. And when something is offered with no expectations or strings, people are more inclined to take what you have or re- receive, not take, receive. I think there's something different between taking and receiving. Mm-hmm. People are more inclined to receive what you have to offer with ease and so, grace. So curious, how how does one begin to discern what if they're receiving something without a hitch or if it's being given to them um, as a form of manipulation. What have you found a way to, to know that? On a first-time experience, when someone is someone fairly unknown is offering me something, I'll often, especially if it's something fairly sizable in mm-hmm. uh, nature, I'll often uh, ask three times in three different ways, what can I do for you? Or how can I honor this gift? I'm I'm probing to see if there is a string, if there is an expectation. Mm-hmm. And after three times, if I'm genuinely gut-level feeling, wow, this is a, a, a true gift of grace and gratitude, then I often will write, put in writing, like in a card, how grateful I am for that gift and how kind it was for them to give that gift with no expectations. And that's kind of like, for lack of better words, uh, kind of a clearing that if there is an expectation in the letter, if I've missed it, you know, I'll put in the card, if I've missed anything, that if you sense that I can be of service in the future or if you are looking for something from me in the future, please don't hesitate to ask. Mm -hmm. I'm really upfront with it. And normally in that three times, that asking in three different ways, if there is a string attached to something and they are being manipulative, then I can employ grace to very kindly bow out 
of taking what they have to offer. That's a great it's a great reminder. It it's also interesting getting back to how unconscious many of us function. You know, more than 80% of how we do things is on an unconscious level and it, it doesn't mean that we're not conscious. It's just that we've got this big tape recorder playing up inside and we don't always know what's happening <laughs> with it. And if someone at a very early age didn't learn discernment, didn't learn mm. to be able or wasn't able to fully read if someone was being dissonant, if they weren't being truly congruent, or if they weren't saying things that was balanced. A person may notice it, yet not have not have the insight or the knowingness or um, the steps in how to be able to discern to see whether or not a person is trying to get something from them. Either they'll shut down and not do further inquiry, or they'll boldly step into it and then wonder why they always get ripped off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. And then on the back end, if all of a sudden an expectation does creep up, it's like, oh, you know, I did this for you, or I gave this for you, gave this to you, you know, in the hopes that you do blah blah blah. I'll remind them how we did some clarity around at the beginning. Yeah. And then I'll just simply, at that point, I'll ask, do I have your permission to make some bold observations? Mm. And if they're, um, <laughs> if they're brave enough to say yes, I'll, I'll put it right out to them. I said, well, then you were not acting in a form of gratitude. You were manipulating. Now do I have your permission to manipulate you? It's funny how sometimes we may not, because of being afraid to hurt somebody's feelings or being afraid to come across as, as a certain way, how I love how you said that. I mean, I, I love having dialogue with somebody who can be so straight up and honest um, with what's going on with them rather than kind of going sideways with the conversation and then both people walking away kind of mumbling under their breath that (laughs) something didn't happen the way they wanted it to. And it takes courage to be a good communicator. It takes courage to to do what you do and also takes courage for the person to be honest back to you again, as honest as they're able to be. And I can't help but think that with that, Honesty, there lies the key to a lot of the work that you're doing with helping people kind of rewire some of their inner scripts that are going on inside. Yeah. The truth literally sets you free. You know, it's mm-hmm. um, part of the part of the work is that I do is systemic constellation work, which again works with the collective conscience of a family and many times things are carried on from one generation to another until there's resolution. Similarly, history repeats itself until there's resolution. When people can realize what they're carrying is not theirs and they can give it back to whomever it was that gave it to them, they're able to fully show up in the essence of who they are and and be able to step fully into their full potential um, rather than being only part of them is showing up. And the truth, it is beautiful that the truth sets us free. And it can be done in a way that is very graceful and very compassionate and very loving and kind, not not something that's harsh. Um, again, being able to step into that field of grace, of releasing something that isn't ours to carry. And we've come to a place in our history where 
it's time, you know, to to speak the truth in ways that is not harmful to people and in ways that people can fully show up in who they are. I think when people can really heal themselves, resolve themselves from the inside out, then they can look out into the world with loving kindness because the judgment against themselves has been has been lessened and they're more compassionate towards towards what other folks are experiencing as difficulties or challenges. Oh, well put. And your 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 word there that pinged up for me, judgment. Mm-hmm. It, one of the interesting byproducts of practicing gratitude from from over five or ten years now is the more I get into gratitude, the the, the more I readily adopt the 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 sauciness, the richness, the um, the, the magic of gratitude. How little. I judge. Yes. Yeah. It's like there's no room on the plate for that. It's like the energy's not there. You know, there isn't mm. any inertia to be angry or to be judgmental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not being passive. For me, it's not being passive. Rather, it's just noticing. Just noticing. Mm-hmm. No attachment. Yes. Yes. And the a good case in point is someone was really trying to get me into a debate of kind of good and evil and so forth and so on, and they wanted to pin me down, and they wanted to to really try and get some sort of definitive answer from me on what I thought was good and what I thought was evil. I remember smiling at them and just saying, you know, I am so grateful for your desire to help me practice something. And that practice is recognizing I will never know all there is to know about anything to ever have the definitive ability to judge something. Mm-hmm. I, I live a life that the more I know, the more I don't know. So it's kind of, I'm grateful for the fact that I can go, I don't know. <laughs> That's refreshing, isn't it? And in this Western world where we're like, where's the expert? Where's the expert? Where's the person who's going to tell me how I'm supposed to think, how I'm supposed to dress, how I'm supposed to eat, and blah, blah, blah? It's like, wait a minute. Hold on. No. (laughs) You're the expert. (laughs) And that's so hard for people. I've just had a couple people who I've worked with over the last 20 years or so who have been upset with me for what what I've shown them you know, is truth in their life. I mean, it came up for them and they were upset and angry mm-hmm. because they didn't want to face it, you know. And it's it's interesting as people look outside them, folks tend to look outside themselves so much, some do, for solutions. And as as you said um, so wonderfully that the answers, the answers are inside of us. And yet how many people have forgotten that that's true for them, you know, for whatever reason. Um, they've forgotten that the truth is inside them. And to have witness, I love doing ritual and ceremony to be witness to what people are experiencing so that they can hear themselves and be heard and then move forward with the solution that is best for them. It's a beautiful setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You inspire me to recall how some of the lessons that I was taught good 
15, 20, 25 years ago that are just now beginning to blossom for me because I've had enough life experience for the soil for that lesson to grow in. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. As we begin to count down here, we have about 15 minutes left. I'm curious about what do you think are some of the top, maybe the top one or two ways that those listening in can begin to take very gentle steps to embracing gratitude effortlessly. Gentle steps to embracing gratitude effortlessly. Um, that's great, and I'd love to hear what you have to say. I, one thing is getting when one wakes up in the morning as they open their eyes to um, to be grateful that their eyes are open and that they have the breath and to feel the bed around them, you know, the pillow and the warmth of the of the um, blanket or the sheet on them, and to begin their day with that gratitude of appreciation. The breath is is such a wonderful way to start that. And then all that other yummy stuff that comes with it, with being in your nice, comfy bed, um, for me, is is Mm. a nice way to start. What about you? How do you suggest to people for beginning? Well, thank you. You brought up something very critical, and that is just watering your seeds of awareness. You know, really becoming more aware of what you have. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent way of being, you know, taking those steps into some gentle gracefulness and gratitude. Um, c- combining with that, what I've found in my life, which has been very difficult here in the western part of the world versus the eastern, is slow down. Yes. Yeah. Slow down. Um, I. I <laughs> I often ask people, you know, if I sat down with you and and we're sitting at a table where, let's say I told you the meal you're about to have cost $3.5 million, would you just pick up the newspaper and wolf it down and, and leave? <laughs> I hope not. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. I hope you would savor every crumb, you know, every drip of whatever. I mean, you, you slow down to the point to where you... And engage all the senses, and, that, and that's what I'm hearing you say in your example too. Engage those senses. Slow down enough yes. to feel something. There's a wonderful saying we use in NLP, neuro linguistic programming, is lose your mind and come to your senses. To really be aware of your senses. And I'm trained and licensed in heart math, and one thing that we do um, is slowing down enough with our breath and to breathe in and to focus our attention around the area of our heart and breathe in gratitude and appreciation and love for someone, something, or some memory. And as we do that, to feel ourselves fill up with um, with the warmth of our heart as it expands out um, as a way to witness ourselves and witness others being being grateful or being gracious to someone else. We become the observer who witnesses others who who are gracious to someone. Um, you know, be it someone giving something to a homeless person, a smile or a gesture. It's the small things. It's the small things that affect people on such an amazing level. That smile, you know, 
not be stingy with your smiles. Or your breath. You brought up a very powerful breath. tool. Mm-hmm. I've asked, and, and I know that some of the people in in business settings, before a big meeting where I'm hired to facilitate or mediate or whatever the case may be, I'll let people know. I said, okay, I'm not going to get real new agey on you here, but I just would like everyone, before we begin, to just sit back for a moment, close your eyes, and take three slow, deep breaths at whatever pace you want, but just really take in some deep breaths. And I guarantee you we'll get through this meeting much faster, much easier. Mm-hmm. And people always have that smirk. Some people have a smirky, like, oh, come on, please. You know, let's get on. It's like, no, 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 please humor me. You know, <laughs> you're the, you've already paid me. Just just humor the clown at the beginning of the table. And it's frightening how after the meeting is over, how many people will comment. I had no idea just by taking three deep breaths yes. what a difference that would make. Yes, yeah. And it's right under our nose. <laughs> and we forget. And people, it's the, like the unfolding, you know, when people um, engaging someone in doing a relaxation, either with their eyes open or closed, it's as if there's the unfolding of them, that people get so wound up there's, because of being under so much stress, and we live in what's termed a pseudo-attention deficit disorder society. Now that's a mouthful <laughs> of being inundated <laughs> with so much, you know, computer, cell phone that are supposed to make our lives easier, and yet it's it's whacking us out. It's overloading our circuits. And to actually sit and be still, the myth of busyness, you know, it's it's interesting to be still and notice how thoroughly exhausted one can be if they sit there long enough. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how really utterly tired and exhausted. We are, I think, as a society, there are a lot of people that are combating so much fatigue. Oh, yes. And dehydration. I was going to offer the, another step. Yes. I, I I asked people to to step into to help with gratitude is give your body lubrication in the form of just plain purified water. Yes. And I thank think the that water. Is vastly under dehydrated. Yes, and to bless the water. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, Doctor Amato's work is wonderful with oh, with doing the yes. water crystals and. The, Speak more to that. For those who haven't heard about this, I, I'm familiar, but speak more to that. Well, that that our bodies, when they're hydrated, are more than 80% water, and our water inside ourselves is made up of beautiful crystals and self-fulfilling, that if, self-fulfilling prophecy that if we say something to ourselves, it becomes self-fulfilling. Our body will actually, when our cells begin to divide themselves, will actually divide themselves with the message that we give ourselves over and over and over again. I'm not lovable. I'm not happy. I'm not whatever. And that our water crystals in ourselves take on that same decrystallizing they they take on the form of whatever vibration we're giving it and so to to give ourselves loving energy and loving thoughts and to watch what we say to ourselves dr amato e-m-o-t-o is a wonderful um resource to look at the power of water and in what the bleep do we know it talks about the power of our 
of the water crystals in our body. Mm-hmm. Magnificent. Mm-hmm. I love our cells. Deepak talks about the 12 cardinal rules that our cells have, and there's no option. You know, it's there's so much wonderful research out there that will let people know the magnificence within themselves from the water crystals to their cells. It's pretty profound how intricate we are. And therein lies that miracle you were talking about earlier, a miracle of senses. That waking up in the morning that you talked about and being aware and conscious of what we have, I've often found it, if ever I'm silly enough to want to send out invitations to a pity party, (laughs) if ever I'm thinking I need to have pity for whatever reason in my life, it's intriguing how I... There's something inside me that rattles me up enough to say, look, you have all of these gifts and talents you're taking for granted here. Mm -hmm. And it is less than graceful not to be grateful for those talents and gifts. Yeah. And it rattles me back on par again. It's like, okay, wake up, let's knock that out. And once we realize our gifts, it's our it's our responsibility to give them to the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's amazing that people can be in the middle of a store, Costco or whatever, and and talk about not having enough, yet they're surrounded by abundance. It's like, hello, <laughs> look around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look mm-hmm. inside you. Yes. I'm curious, with the few minutes we have left, what's coming up for you? I know you have a book coming out, yes. and you're, yep. what else is going on? The Overcomers. Um, actually, I have, um, if people are interested, they can go to my website, which is um, tothehartofthematter.com, and um, they can download uh, the free morning meditation I have. And I also have a special offer where I'm giving um, a complimentary 45-minute um, introduction um, if folks are interested in maybe exploring more of what of the type of work I'm doing. And um, to catch me on Blog Talk Radio Inspirations of the Heart on Monday and Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Um, Pacific time to listen to the authors that are being interviewed um, who are in The Overcomers. And they're from all over the world, and the stories are so inspiring. It's been such an honor to be interviewing these folks. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank you for helping me share the concept of gratitude from multiple perspectives and to sip some grace into our life. That is such a, a, a yummy beverage for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't you love talking in metaphor? We all we speak in metaphor, don't we? It is yummy to talk like that. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. nice. Now, for some listeners, I'm sure that might be a little bit, you know, kind of like, all right, you know, let's kind of <laughs> ring it back here to the here right and on. now. Yeah. Yeah. As as I I stop and chuckle, I if you were to sit me down say 15 years ago and tell me that I would be doing what I'm doing now, I would look like either you've taken too much drugs, you've not had enough drugs, or you're a very good sci-fi writer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think you do amazing work. I've looked at your site and it's phenomenal, all the different things that you do. Um, Kudos to to doing so many different things and serving so many people. Thank you for doing that. 
I'm honored, and you you remind me. I, I'm for those listening. If you ever have a chance, click out to souldancer.org. S O U L dancer.org. There's a lot of free stuff out there. That if you find yourself in need of a little boost or some aha material, um, just click around, see what you find. I do a blogging situation where there's something out there. And the whole series of Pay Me What I'm Worth, the goal of this series as we come to a close is now more than ever before, I have a hunch, it's imperative that we begin to remember, remember that our lives and the success or lack of success in our lives has very little to do with what's printed on a bank statement and that it's time that we recognize that our health, our relationships, all of those other things in our life that we have play such a critical part of that. And that's why I definitely get out there and take a look at Catherine's site and do listen in to her radio show to help along the process. Again, her site is tothehartofthematter.com. And take a look at that. Whenever we dive into our own kind of personal discovery and development, I always encourage people to hire a guide. Imagine if you were to go to a foreign city and you really it was it's probably going to be the last time you're ever going to be in that city and you have a limited amount of time. It makes sense to hire a savvy seasoned guide to take you around. They can show you much more in a much less amount of time in a very safe way. Catherine is the type of guide who can help you do that. I can help you do that. There are hundreds if not thousands of others who can help you do that. So engage them when you're finding yourself ready to swim in that pool of gratitude and grace with less effort. Catherine, anything you'd like to wrap up with? Oh, that was wonderful. In the morning, when you get up in the morning, take that nice big breath and say thank you, thank you, thank you. It's going to be a great day. So thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show. I really appreciate it. And if this were iChat, you'd see me big smiles, bowing to you in gratitude for being here. And with that, folks, thank you for also for listening and joining us. Be sure to leave some comments in the comment box just below the show here. And until we dance next, with gratitude, I wish you well and look forward to hearing from you. Namaste. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.